0: Welcome to Catholic stuff you should know, a J10 initiative. Well, welcome back to the podcast, Father John, my good friend Nathan Goble, aka Natty Ice. That's Looking right. good. The mullet's gone. You're clean.
1: I am. I am. I am shorn and shaven.
0: Shorn and shaven. He's ready well, to go. Well, not shaven. I do have a good. And we, blood. Had, we have. Samson's dragged
1: locks have been cut.
0: The locks have been cut. We have dragged ourselves through another semester and. Uh, Sick, tired, but we got through it. You're one semester closer to priesthood. Amen. I'm one semester closer to, I don't know, death. I guess something like that. So, I don't yeah. Know. It was a good semester, but uh, these college kids—they <laughs> run me hard, and I think I'm still in college. I do college ministry. If you're listening to this for the first time, yep. and uh, it's just a little different uh, lifestyle.
1: Waking up at ten, going until two. Oh
0: yeah, every night. So that's about it. But we haven't, uh, we haven't done this in a while, buddy. Yeah. So here we are.
1: Yeah, we're back.
0: So we're probably going to be awkward. To
1: yeah. Get there. Yeah, I probably will <laughs> be awkward.
0: <laughs> oh man, this is one of those days where I'm like, we got to muster the energy. I am I'm smoked right now, but we're going to we got an interesting topic here. This one's going to be uh I think we're going to get some interesting emails back for this one, good and bad, approval and disapproval. Yoga. Yoga. Yoga is the topic at hand. Question mark.
1: Hmm. Yoga.
0: Anybody? Catholics and yoga—is this possible? That's right. So east meets west. East meets west, and so we're going to jump in now. First, my my question is: Nathan, have you ever done yoga?
1: Um, I've done tai chi.
0: Okay, tai chi. Never yoga. Okay, because you look like a yogi. You got the kind of.
1: I look more like a Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily a yogi.
0: A yogi. So. The first question is Is yoga compatible with Catholicism? That is the question we have today, but we're going to have to go into like, what is yoga? Yeah. What is the purpose of it? How do we even discuss this? Well, this is one of those podcasts that'll be like marijuana, which is like,
1: we're, we he don't. It means the podcast before on marijuana. Right. It's going to be like down. marijuana. Not like this podcast will be like smoking marijuana.
0: <laughs> it probably is sometimes. I can, yeah, think right. of, I can think of a couple this last fall that were probably like some kind of hallucinogen. But. Considering the podcast on Marijuana, medicinal marijuana This is going to be similar in the sense that there's not a definitive Teaching on it, but we're kind of just working Through some stuff, trying to come to an answer But we gladly recommend uh, Suggestions and emails and correspondence Following this, but we're just kind of putting the question Out there, kind of going for it
1: That's right, So postulators
0: But our friend Father John Harden, SJ Shuts the question down right away Really? Yes, Father John Harden Question, is yoga Compatible with Catholicism? no yoga is incompatible with Catholicism because the best known practice of Hindu spirituality is yoga so what he's arguing is that because yoga is a Hindu a practice of the Hindu spirituality it cannot be separated it's thus pantheistic it denies that there is which denies that there is only one infinite being all things are um, the infinite being and uh that's mm. about it yeah he shuts it down pretty quick we're not gonna do that though we're gonna take a different. Approach, and we're going to look at a couple different things. So we got to go John back. John
1: Harden's bone structure was probably not as such that he could participate in yoga.
0: I tell you, I tell you what, though, Father John Harden, very good man, servant yes. of God. But right. I live in a world called Boulder, Colorado, the People's Republic of Boulder, and it's a very special place. And yeah. I love the people up here. But uh, those kind of hardcore answers, we got to be a little more nuanced up here. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, the way that things have to be looked at and have to be discussed. And um, we got to be honest about it. We're trying to find the truth, but we got to find it in kind of a way. Sometimes it's a little more tricky. There's an intense interaction with the East that has happened in the last um, 30 years, especially in my little hometown here, um, that is unlike any time in the world. There's more interaction between the East and the West nowadays between the world religions that's ever happened. For that reason, the Church wrote a, decla- a declaration. Are you listening to me? I'm, you are bored. I'm. Yeah. You're kinda. sad.
1: No, I'm, I'm adjusting my mic. I'm not six feet five. Why don't five. you do
0: some yoga while I work on this here? Downward dog. Downward facing dog. Child's pose. You know what child's pose is? Those are resting positions.
1: I know warrior, right? Is warrior that
0: cool? two. That looks good, yeah. Energetically draw it into your body and reach out with those
1: fingers. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, so are we going to get... I mean, can we, are we working from a uh, common definition of yoga yet? Okay. Just so, I mean... Harden rejects it. We're saying, well, maybe kind of. Uh, so that people know what is it about yoga that we're saying, maybe kind of about.
0: Okay, so let's let's go into what yoga is. Okay. And for that, we're going to go to our friend Houston Smith, right? The spiritual father of our spiritual like director, the world's so,
1: foremost leading expert. This on guy is the world's foremost
0: leading. Yep, and he has a book called World's Religions, the most popular selling book on world religions in the world. It sounds like a good place to start. So, like we said, and and Harden laid it out in a hardened way. This is not. This is coming out of Hindu spirituality, right? Okay. Hinduism. Four paths towards the goal. The four paths are different yogas. All right. Mm. The word yoga derives from the same root as does the English word yoke. Yoke carries a double connotation to unite and to place under disciplined training to bring under the yoke. Okay. The whole purpose of yoga is a method of training designed for integration or union. All right. What are we doing? We are renouncing the world as it is, and we are escaping from it through this spiritual practice, Mm -hmm. through this religious practice. Now, there's a number of different kinds of yoga. Jnana yoga, bhakti yoga. i got to go through my list here. Uh, Karma yoga, which you've heard of. Karma is good works, right? That's through the works. And then lastly, raja yoga. So there's four different yogas that are four different paths towards union with the... Maya, with everything, right? Yeah. Kind of the one, the returning to oneness, away from the broken world, but it's about escape. It's about moving away. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a f- problematic here because in Christianity, it's not a movement of renunciation. Yeah. Christianity is not a faith of renouncing, of moving away from being, yes. right? Towards annihilation of yes. oneself. Yeah. That is an Eastern thing. Now, the interesting thing about it is people always say to me here, well, why is Christianity any different than all these other religions? In some ways, this is what Hinduism is expressing and buddhism is expressing is the natural movement towards man i naturally desire to transcend myself i'm trying to move beyond that and i'm trying to get out of my world out of myself and um it's not happening and i'm being trapped in the brokenness of this kind of life and so i'm kind of moving and trying to get out of that christianity is the exact opposite God descends yes. into our immanence here, into our world, and then kind of comes in, and so to speak. Yeah. So this is the natural tendency. This is the natural expression of man. Whether it's Neoplatonic in the West, whether it's it's Hindu in the East, this is the expression of man moving, trying to transcend himself in a very broken and kind of screwed up world, trying to deal with the question of suffering and pain by removing it.
1: Yeah, and that that in in Hinduism, Buddhism, like you're saying, the emptiness. You're, you're, you're trying to get back to to empty yourself, um, Christianity would be to fill yourself. Right. To fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. In addition to the fact that, um, why? I mean, I am taking world religions in a semester or two, but the, the question of is there something out there? Is there someone out there? Uh, I don't think the Buddhists would try to get to that. Or the Hindu... Maybe, because they're kind of an amalgam of every sort of spirituality. But uh, Christianity would say there is the fullness of being out and in, like within us, within creation, and, I mean, completely other than creation. Um, So we're seeking union uh, to be filled with that that being. Exactly, exactly.
0: Now, you've been to India, right? Yes. So you saw this firsthand. Yes. And?
1: Uh, I am a... Uh, small town boy from Illinois, and I was not prepared to go into um, something other than Western civilization. Right. So our concept of Western civilization, um, Christian or non-Christian, I mean, whether you think you know Europe is falling or still preserving Christianity, whatever, um, we still maintain the forms of Christianity, like our buildings have certain structures. Our our roads have certain structures, people dress in certain ways, smells are kind of unique, no matter where you're at. I mean, when I went over to India, the best description I got from uh, our spiritual father, uh, Garansky, said, uh, he's like, there's someone dying in the road, there's, um, it, it smells horrible, there's a cow and then a naked kid running around, <laughs> um, and I was I was in. I mean, I don't mean to to diss India because we went to the the best part of India, the Golden Triangle, uh, Delhi, Jaipur, Agra, uh, to see kind of the cultural center, the Taj Mahal, the great history in Jaipur, and then finally ended up in Calcutta. In Calcutta, that's where I mean the missionaries of charity are because we were doing a mission trip over there, and uh, that's where I kind of saw firsthand. Yeah, this is uh this is a separate world. I mean, you can kind of see it in the, the Taj Mahal, but I mean, it's it's when the, when there's like temples everywhere and even goat sacrifice happening next to the home for the dying, Mother Teresa's home for the dying, it's like I'm not in, you know, white bread America anymore. So, I'm not in
0: Champaign, Illinois. That's no. right the uh it is this is an ancient ancient culture yeah. and an ancient religious practice and it's very complex and a couple of uh local yokels out here are not authorities to speak on uh the nature of hinduism or even real it is we do study world religions in seminary and it's a great gift but uh the question really is at hand is that there's a phenomena of yoga as a technique as an exercise Mm -hmm. practice here in the United States in our engagement with the East And the question is, is that permissible for Catholics? Are they able, and this is what the whole question hinges on. Are you able to practice yoga without practicing the spirituality? Can you take it as a technique? And if so, what good would that do if it was good and if it was something that Mm -hmm. should be, that is permissible? And if so, what bad would that do? That's kind of the question I think that is there. Now, do you know anybody who does yoga?
1: Um, uh, someone other than sitting in this room. Other
0: than, Okay. So I, it's been revealed. So I, I <laughs> came to Boulder six months ago and everyone would say, Hey, is yoga from Missouri? I said, well, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it for six months. Mm-hmm. And so the fruit of this, uh, podcast is the fruit of this priest trying yoga for six months. Now it wasn't just like, I was just signing up for anywhere. I wanted a very specific thing. I went to a Catholic who I know very well, a good friend of mine, uh, It was private instruction, and it um, was—I just knew that it was kind of free of uh, of any spirituality. There's no namaste at the end. There's no chanting. There's no kind of omes or anything like that. There's no mantras, Eastern mantras, nothing, Mm -hmm. nothing. It was it was more of a a kind of a practice of just like uh, of silence, of stillness. And what I found it to be was a way of physically disposing my body to prayer, instead of replacing prayer. Does that make sense? Yeah. I found that uh, yeah. the, the practice of, as a technique, that yoga disposes me and, and orders and disciplines the body in a way that frees me for, like you said, not for renunciation, the path of renunciation, mm-hmm. but actually for uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Yep. So when I talk to my friends, when I talk to people up here who say this, I say, okay, if you see it as this practice, as trying to get you, when I pray with my body and my soul, if I can have the body in tune in a way... Yeah. It, it'll actually dispose me for a deeper experience of Christ and of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and this goes back to the, if, if you if you ever listen to all of the podcasts and can come up with like four or five things that we always end up talking about, I think one of the things that, that I hear mentioned more often is that the Christian, that the human person, whoever it is, uh, man, woman, Indian, or American, is a body-soul composite. Um, so... Uh, The term for this in the philosophic world is hylomorphic, um, so we're both form and matter, and um, our bodies are in tune with our souls, and so it would make sense, by quieting, stilling the body, uh, we dispose ourselves to um, have an experience. Now, uh, our friend Father Larkin, a runner, uh, would be in constant motion. And, you know, on his third 10K of the day and be in ecstatic union. Right. Um, and that's that's a grace, I think. But if you look and these, you know, sisters who are in these monasteries, these abbeys, they're not on treadmills uh, trying to have an encounter with God. Like, they are still. Um, and I don't think they do stretches beforehand, but um, it is a way of disposing yourself to to receiving something.
0: So if the body is, uh, if we pray with our bodies, then when you shave the mullet, how did this affect your prayer life? I guess is my first question.
1: Uh, uh obedience. It was an outward manifestation of an interior dis- disposition. Um, inter- disposition. That was a great thing. That's good. I, I, I will let the podcast listeners know. Whoever, whichever one of you were praying to Our Lady because you thought that this is just, this is just too much. You know, no, no one should do this. The grace came on Immaculate Conception. And it was like, yeah, just shave the mullet, just get it off. And I was like, all right. So, um, yeah, I mean, you, and that's the that, that's another thing, you know, Indians, Buddhists, you know, they shave their heads. It's it's a way in which they 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 exterior exteriorly manifest that they're consecrated, that they that they want to be in union. Um, you wouldn't see it uh, because they wear veils, but sisters cut their head cut right, their hair right, right. Um, so well, that's actually part of the Carmelite ceremony is that you know they take part of their hair off so, so
0: we know we understand that it's it's profoundly Catholic yes. to pray with the body yes in fact it's heresy not to right Gnostic Gnosticism and so the question right. becomes when we engage the East in mm-hmm. the ways that they pray mm-hmm. you know, the, the ways that they're they they've disciplined and order the body it becomes very very difficult to know what can we assimilate what of which is natural, which is good, and what can we not? Mm-hmm. And that's where it gets really tricky, and we got to be really careful because we can pick up things and do all kinds of stuff we don't know. But it is good to know that the uh, sixty—not sixty, fifty years ago—there's a document written by the Church engaging this question. Mm-hmm. So, if you're interested on it, you can read more. It's called "Nostra Aetate" in the Latin Declaration on the Relation of the Church to Non-Christian Religions.
1: What are the first two words of the document? "Nostra etate meaning our, our
0: time our time in our time or oh, when in our age yeah. when day by day mankind is drawing drawn closer together and the ties between different peoples are becoming stronger the church examines more closely her relationship to non-Christian religions. So given the cultural context that we're living in, in this Mm -hmm, time, mm -hmm. we have to re-examine the relationship we have as the document says, in her task of promoting unity and love among men, indeed among nations, she considers above all in this declaration, what men have in common and what draws them to fellowship. Here's the key line. At the end of the section on Hinduism, it says this, the Catholic church rejects nothing that is true, and holy in these religions. Mm. She regards with sincere reverence those ways of conduct and of life, those precepts and teachings which, though differing in many aspects from the ones she holds and sets forth, nonetheless often reflect a ray of that truth which enlightens all men. Huh. Our professor, Dr. Joel Barstadt, said a great line. He said, to be Catholic is to be able to see truth in anything, mm-hmm. at wherever it is, to yeah. be able to see the truth. So what we're trying to do is we're not trying to be really cool and go to core power yoga with our mats and your bamboo yoga wear. Did you know that there's a store here in in Boulder, only in Boulder, Colorado, they sell organic bamboo yoga wear. That's it.
1: I hope they have it in double XL.
0: Double XL. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's not just about justifying, can we be cool? You know, I'm a priest. I need to do the cool, whatever the cool thing people are doing, but it's about actually saying, how do I, do I really look at the other world religions and do I engage them with a mind of, I, have to, I cannot reject anything that is true and holy mm-hmm. in these religions. Now, the temptation for our generation is to say, to reject it, because we're reacting against the last generation, yeah. which kind of threw everything out in some ways and said, we're all equal, all religions are the same, and we're not, we're not saying that at all. And our temptation is actually to not engage the other religions, because we, are, we grew up in a very uh, broken time, and in a time where uh, it was very confusing to understand what's even unique. Why does it even matter to be Catholic? That was my understanding of growing up. And so coming out of the turmoil of the 60s and 70s, the temptation for us is to go into a bastion, to go back to the 16th century and say, this is the way it is, this is the way we're going to do it, we're not going to engage these other things, they're all pagan, they have nothing to do with anything, there's no good in them. But the church is asking us to engage the East in a way. So not only is it good to do it, because we live in places like Boulder in the West where it's prevalent, but it actually the church is asking us to do that Mm -hmm. because of the globalizing world that we're living in. So we have to do that. Now the question of, is this an appropriate understanding of, of yoga? My argument that it can be done as a technique free of the spirituality. It can be engaged that way. Well, that's up for debate. That's just Father John and feel free to you know talk to us on that or write us on that. But that seems to me to be my experience is that I, uh, as a Catholic priest, that this practice, physical practice disposes me in a deeper way to the life of prayer, just like any exercise would or any kind of stretching or different things. Uh, tai chi ninjutsu father peter does ninjutsu so i mean if if we're going to say yoga is bad and needs to go then i think we need to be telling catholic kids karate everything like that all of these are rooted in spiritualities in some way yoga is more deeply rooted in it and that's why it comes under question
1: well what's the what's the danger then of if someone went to a yoga class where it's not kind of filtered right uh and then they're kind of participating in the sort of mantras you know even Namaste which is what the A divine the, in, uh, in me
0: recognizes and affirms or something, the divine in And
1: reverences you. the divine in you. Right. That's what they say in India. It's kind of like hello or goodbye yeah. or something, uh, but it's not like Aloha uh, where you can say Aloha and, you know, be kind of cool or whatever. Like you're saying our words mean something. Right. So when we pick up these phrases, um, when people hear these things there, they are there. It's not just different spiritual practices. There are different spirits attached to these practices so if we're if we reverence the the God of Ganesha um, uh, we're giving honor to a false God which is idolatry right so the danger would be if they're not in a filtered environment if they can't personally filter it even in their mind you know seeing that okay I'm doing this for the sake of you know disposing myself for union, or even just you know to get over the stress of the week, which is a prayer in itself. Um, could they could they actually pick up something evil?
0: Right, and that is possible, and we don't know that, and we can't claim that yeah. this is evil. Is but it. These words do matter, and there are spirits uh, attached to these things. And, and we just you have to use extreme caution on these, on, uh, these different situations, different words. Mm-hmm. Namaste is a classic example of something that on the surface looks compatible. Yep. The divine in me recognizes and reverences the divine in you. Well, we both have the spirit, Holy Spirit in us, right, Nathan? So what's the problem? Why can't yeah. we say namaste? Ah, the divine is non-personal in Hinduism. Mm. So when I start speaking namaste to you, what I'm doing actually is depersonalizing the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, hmm. which is emptying it of its actual content, yeah. right? The Holy Spirit is, is completely personal. The person, the, the God dwelling in me is the third person of the Trinity. Yeah. It's the love mm-hmm. between the Father and the Son. That's a very important theological understanding. And when I say namaste, it entails that the, the divine is some kind of energy, some kind of life force, yeah. but it's not a person. And it actually can strip us of the personal relationship with the Trinitarian life. And if we lose that, then we lose everything. Yeah, That's And we actually do
1: that. We actually do the very thing that we're aiming for, reverencing the, the, the person of the Holy Spirit in the Mass, where the priest says, um, The Lord be with you and with your spirit. your spirit.
0: And with your spirit also, because we got the new. Right, translation. and also
1: <laughs> with, with, with someone spirit. Um, so, and with your spirit, now let us share with one another a sign of Christ's peace, not my peace. So, um, so even the divine in me is the only reason why I'm not a, a, a beast creature um, is because God has endowed me with uh, an immortal soul and christened that immortal soul through baptism, so that God Himself dwells in me. That it's it's very personal. I right. think that's a great point.
0: Right, and that's what's at stake if we if we assimilate the spirituality of Hinduism. And uh, it's not to say that it's bad or it's horrible or Hindu people are, are terrible. It's just to say that God has disclosed himself as a trinity of persons. And we have to speak of the divinity as Trinitarian mm-hmm. and unity as yeah. personal always. And when we strip it of that, um, we strip it of its ver- of God's very uh, disclosure, which rejects the whole reason to be Catholic. So
1: so um, that's it.
0: That's it. Catholic Stuff podcast at gmail.com
1: Laters.